You're tuning in to Past Hour Prime, a show powered by Squad Locker. Let's be great. Let's be great. Here are your hosts, retired Astros minor league star Tip Fairchild and former Patriots All-Pro center Dan Copen. Go rock this thing, huh? Love you, man. All right, people. Episode 74, as always, powered by Squad Locker. It is. And... We have a very special guest today. We do. And he's sitting up high. He is very... You're not allowed to speak yet, though, because we're going to go down <laughs> the uh, the squad locker. Let and, me tell you how and, I use squad and, locker this and weekend. By the, well, today, I mean, this might be our last day working for this company. It could be, it could be after this you. interview. Um, let me tell you how I use squad locker this weekend, though. So we talk about how we use it all the time, companies, schools, your kids' teams. All the time. Well, now I'm in the scene. I'm in the scene. You've been in the scene. I'm in it now. Travel, elite softball groups. I mean, six games this weekend. Tracy did the first one because of the four ball. Thank you, Trey. But uh, every parent is wearing. How many did you make it? I was there the second day, all three. And you played 36 holes of golf on Saturday. 41, actually. I lost in the five. Oh, that's right. You lost. Yeah. Okay. So I go, when you go to these games now, you see parents wearing a t-shirt, a cutoff shirt, a hoodie, a pullover. Parents go through five or six items maybe at a, these games. Maybe, at a, these maybe a crop top. Maybe a crop top. Like, whatever it is. Anything that we sell. It's it's amazing, though. And the kids have two jerseys that they bought, but the parents have 15 items. Mm-hmm. They're buying chairs. They're buying seat backs. We can do stuff like that. So the Squad Locker Bombers, uh, Bombers on 3 store is lighting it up. People are buying stuff left and right. Bombers on three? Bombers. I don't know why they called it that. Bombers Why'd you on do three. That? I don't know. It's not, I didn't make it. A, a parent went on, built a DIY store because that's what they can do, added the items that they like, and then they had it shipped to their house. It's easy. Right, Gary? Right tip. That's what you built. That is what we built. Well, I didn't well, build it. Well, we well, built well, it. Hold on. There's going to be a change to this podcast in a format. That's right. And I think I broke the rule early on. So can you reach behind you? Okay. <laughs> And let's just... Yeah, we do have the swear jar. Swear jar. By the way, what a bucket you found for this basket. <laughs> this is the Easter basket. It only, it only had like six-month-old Reese's in it. <laughs> it was $1. What happened? Did swear Tip jar. eat the Reese's? What's up? Did yeah. tip, tip eat no, the Reese's? No, I didn't. I didn't. So, what we? we're not allowed to swear anymore. We, you, what, so, there are certain words. Well, let's find out what the line is. We can explore that. So, why don't we talk about why we developed the swear jar rule. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I like that. Yeah. Well, Just, there has been a couple episodes we went a little off we went a little off the rails, so we wanted to build a, a swear jar and then make yeah. a donation bucket. I think that's great. And I it's think great you guys should let it rip. Yeah. Uh, and Max can go back and bleep them out. One of the reasons I thought maybe reducing the amount of vulgarity to use a word <laughs> there, Tip. Uh, Look that one up then. <laughs> I don't I don't know I don't know if it's a real word. Yeah. Actually yeah. time out Gary spell it. Vulgarity? Yeah. V-U-L-G-A-R-I-T-Y. I'm pretty that's sure that's right. That's how I would spell okay. it. Okay, yep. But, you know, we're focused on helping young people reach their full potential. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a lot of storytelling on Past Our Prime about talking to adults, about both kids and their own experiences with those kids. Mm-hmm. There may be an opportunity for some adults to say, hey, kids, you should listen to this. Mm. In which case, we really want you to connect your brand with something that's slightly more wholesome than loving, then yeah, loving. Yeah, that's which true. Which is why we talk about we love teams. That's right. 
And we're, and we're two dads. Can we do it like old school and just Three be dads. like, hey, earmuffs kids? And yeah. then they cover their earmuffs. I, I know we're good. I think you can give a verbal warning. <laughs> All right. Yeah, parents so, at home, I'm about to swear. So if you yeah, have yeah. kids in the car. And so when we do, though, when we do let one slip, 50 bucks? <clears throat> $50. Where does it go to? We were thinking Special, Special Olympics. Olympics. It's a worthy cause, right? So, I can support that. So, so first question for me is, what's your favorite swear word? <laughs> So we're going to go James Lipton style <laughs> on yeah. the actor's studio. And maybe maybe the first 50 just ends up in there. Yeah, it will. I prefer, I prefer Behind the Ferns with uh, what's that Zach Galifianakis. Oh, that is so funny. <laughs> that is, that is, he is great. Yeah, I think my favorite swear word would probably be f- Okay. okay. All right. There that might, that might be a hundred. Yeah, that's that, a double. That's, that's a big one. You're a, you are a big, uh, you like, you're going to start saying the, uh, the effing. That's yeah, be effing's your, okay, right? Effing's okay. You can say that. I've seen, uh, there we go. See, we're loading up already. Okay. 50 bucks to Special um, Olympics. I'm like, uh, by the way, tip, that's, that's called that's, that's called cash, something you rarely carry. <laughs> <laughs> Never. We're all Venmo guys now. Yeah, Venmo. That's, uh, that's how it works. Uh, so so we'll pay, we'll pay attention to this, Max, right? We're going to pull it up, and then maybe we do a donation on like August 1st or something like that. And however big or small the donation is, get a huge check. <laughs> that's a great idea. That is a good Just idea. Print out the biggest thing ever for $75. <laughs> and the guy who's yeah. running the Special Olympics in Rhode Island is a terrific guy. I can't think of his name right now. It's He's new. He's, he's new. new. Robin from. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Robin Urban. Okay, Robin so we'll, we'll connect with him because we, we, we play in the golf tournament too. And people yeah. should play in that. It's at the end of August. We'll put it in the. Uh, and that's a no brainer episode for you to have him on here and talk about what the Special Olympics see, is. You know what? Yeah, this, see, this, this the show's why, already getting better. This yeah. is why you're the CEO and founder of Squad Lock. That's right. This is why I am. These are the ideas. These are they. Right? So. Or them. Gary's on. If you don't know who Gary is, and I met Gary, I think now, Gary, I'm going 12 years. Is it that As long? of like right around now? Maybe 11. And I don't know the. I don't really know math that well, so it's either 11 or 12. Um, would you like to tell the story of how I, I came I into your it. office? Yeah. So okay. Tip walks in my office one day. He says, hey, I'm coaching uh, baseball, and uh, I need to get some, like, coaches' jackets or something like that. I'm like, okay, no problem, fella. Is a guy Well, how did I get there first? first? On, on your moped. That's right. And so <laughs> I said. Uh, did he have a helmet on? I don't remember. Probably not. Do you wear a helmet? I did. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, by the way, yeah. you should. Yeah, I did. I wore like the the, the circle, the dome kind, and then yeah. I bought a full face mask one because I just didn't want people to see my face. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so anyway, he yeah. walks in, and there was a guy selling for us at the time, Brian mm-hmm. Brown, and I mm-hmm. said, "This guy, Brian Brown, will help you with whatever you need. Go see him." So you went, and then a couple days later, you walk back in. You said, "Hey, I don't want to buy any of this stuff. I want to sell it." Mm-hmm. So I said, "Okay, sit down." Let me let me talk to you a little bit. And I asked you a series of questions. I said, how much do you pay a, a month in rent? Mm-hmm. And you told me. And I said, okay, what other living expenses you had? You really didn't have any. I said, how much is your car payment? And you said, I don't have a car. <laughs> I drive on <laughs> <a moment>. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you need a job. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was just coming off. Uh, let's, let's, let's back up just a touch. I had just stopped playing baseball that January. I, I announced my retirement, which was really... A non, you had a great <laughs> no story. more contract. Did, did everybody say nice things about you and have oh, yeah, a good send off? Nice. Yeah, yeah, I had yeah. a huge send off. I did a, the tour and everything, and then Signed I kind of went contract. through this thing where I was like, okay, I'm living on the east side in Providence. Um, I'd get a box of wine, which was not my drink of choice at that time, box. and then you know I'd fill up a, a solo cup and have a little glass of wine, and then and Tracy came home and was like, we got to do something about this. It's time <laughs> for you to get a job. Well, it's time just to. 
Stop feeling bad for yourself. Yeah. What's next? You've got your business degree. You're a smart guy. Let's go. Right? Yeah. And apparently and then, she was right. And yeah. And you know what? You know what it takes sometimes? You just got to walk in the door places. That's right. It's not about filling out the resume, right? It's not about that. It's God like, knows it wasn't for you, Tim. <laughs> I just walked in the door. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we negotiated a fair deal, which was- I still have it on my phone. Covering your- mm-hmm. Expenses. You have everything on your phone. Yeah, it's oh, I almost, I almost just yeah. swore. But you, you have, you have everything on your phone. <laughs> I do. You can I feel do. free to swore. No, we're going to clean this place up. We're going to clean this place up. Okay, all right, good. And then I said, everything after that, you're going to earn mm-hmm. on your own commissions. Mm-hmm. And you sat in that one, I remember the cube you had. That's kind of like back two to you. Yeah, because Tyler was back two to me. And you plugged and plugged and called and called and worked the leads, worked the leads, and... From there, we had a, we've had a lot of fun together. We have consumer textile goods. You taught me that slogan. Where what do we do? Yeah, right. Why, why would because we've done pigeon, a lot of different things. Why would you pigeonhole yourself into one sector? Yeah, like hey, I sell a, a jacket to an athletic team. No, I'm in consumer textile goods. That's what we are. In. Do you say that? That sounds awesome. I'm gonna start saying that. <laughs> Director I, of consumer textile now, goods. Now we do it one at a time, single unit, yeah. direct to home. We did not at that time. That was all bulk. When I was in college, people used to say, like, what does your dad do? What does your mom do? I'm a dentist. I'm an attorney. I'm a police officer. My fraternity brothers used to laugh at me because I used to say, I'm in textiles. My, pa- my family's in textiles. I like yeah. that. They'd say, Gary, you just name an industry. Yeah. That's, that's an entire. But honestly, take, it ta- so it, tell us that, it, though, it, But it takes, like, I don't think I knew what the word textile meant until I was, like, 21 years old. Oh, I, you did, know? I didn't know until I probably saw him in his office that day. Right? But, All right. Textile industry, though, I mean, your family kind of didn't create it, but had a big part of it. Sure. Yeah. Uh, right? My, my grandfather uh, moved from New York City to Fall River, Massachusetts in uh, the 1940s, uh, actually a little bit earlier than that after the Great Depression, uh, primarily because, according to him, what he told us is it was difficult for Jews to get jobs in the area that he was living and that he heard they were hiring Jews in management positions in Fall River. So he went down to Fall River and worked for a company uh, called Newport Finishing, where he was the head bookkeeper. And there was another guy there by the name of Edward Ritchie, who was the head dyer. The dyer was the chemist who would match the colors on the fabrics and bring these fabrics to life for whatever fashion or uh, end use mm-hmm. it was used for. <clears throat> and then E.R. Senior, as we affectionately called him, went off to World War II, came back home. My grandfather was older and had had polio, so he wasn't eligible for the war. And uh, when he came back, they got together and they said, why are we working for this guy? Let's do this on our own. And they borrowed some money and built a business that uh, when my dad eventually sold it, you know, 50 years later, was manufacturing 5 million linear yards a week of fabric for everything from personal flotation devices, tents, uh, chemical warfare suppressant fabrics to protect soldiers and the theater, mm-hmm. combat warfare, to ladies' dresses and men's suit linings and everything in between. So they built they built a real business, and I was really lucky because I didn't realize it in, in the beginning of my career, but what I had been exposed to my entire childhood, teens, and then early 20s was this practice of manufacturing textiles. And it's a trade like anything else, like a plumber or a lawyer or an electrician. You know, there's- Tinsel there's, and tear. Ten, tensile. tensile and tear. Those are tensile. two 
Tinsel. You t- Tinsel's on your Christmas tree. <laughs> Tinsel and tear. Tinsel is strength. You, you told me that this was 11 years ago I learned this, and I'm not a chemist or textile person no. at all. I'm a seller of this stuff. Yep. And those that's are physical, something I remember. Those are physical properties of, of fabric, okay. right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so the, the benefit that I got from being around this, around this multi-generational family around textiles was that I didn't realize it until like my late 20s and early 30s, but I knew more about textiles than many people would ever get exposed to. Mm-hmm. And so I had a trade built into me, much like you in football and you in baseball, that I've been able to leverage you know, my entire career. I, I would agree. Now, yeah. what do you think it is about you is, that hold, has attracted- No, no, hold on. <laughs> okay. is, but it, like, is there anything new in the textile oh, God, or yeah. new fabrics that come out? Or, sure. is, it, or is it just about- the technology that you put with it. There's all sorts of new you know, it's barrier. A, is that a good question? Yeah, there, that's a great question. I think, it comes, I think it's probably every day. I mean, There's, I buy something every week right. on Instagram. That's right, new, but is it the technology textile. or how you make it or whatever? But it, there's no, you know, you're not fabric or whatever. There's new fabric. Is yeah. there no new fabric? Like silk and yarn or whatever. You're asking the wrong guy. Cloth. You, you're, you're asking a lot of different sections of a very, very broad topic, but you just touched on fabric, which is a component, uh, which is made of components called yarns or fibers. And those are made of components called either polymers or natural fibers or blends of those two Mm -hmm. things. And so in and around there, there's a lot of innovation. And then there's finishing innovation, adding chemicals to the fabric once it's been made. And the things that are groundbreaking may not end up in fashion or outerwear or the things you do, but medical technologies. Um, the way that fabrics are being used in people's bodies to, you know, help with vein or artery reconstruction, um, implants to allow pieces of bone or other material to adhere to foreign objects, uh, electronics, industrial textiles, agricultural textiles. I mean, what goes into, you know, an airplane seat or an inflatable life-saving device? I mean, textiles is all around us. And so... It may not end up in the mm-hmm. cool new jacket or the golf wear that you wear. And there mm-hmm. are advancements in that mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, breathability or weight or ability to maintain a color over time and things like that. But those are probably more subtle changes. But there's some real, real cool innovation going on. Um, so my question was going to be, what is it about you, Gary? What do you think? I'd be curious to know. <laughs> That's a good introductory you, phrase for you, Tip. You should use is. that as I'm often a, as you can. I'm going to use that a lot coming up here so if i've given you anything i've given you that one you first. have and that uh also no you've also given me well slupka gave this one to us uh, under what circumstances uh, that's a great one i use that literally every day of my life mm-hmm. so i was gonna say though what is it about you that's attracted athletes to come work for you is it what we do or is it you because you got me you got dan you got tiffany you got drew like early on right there's been a lot of athletes in this building yeah, it's a great question. Right. There's two types of uh, employees with similar backgrounds that I have found to be most effective and successful in high-intensity uh, corporate environments. Mm-hmm. Military people and athletes. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you have to be either of those because we have lots of other very successful people in this company today, like a Maria Madonna. Mm-hmm. Not an athlete, not a military person. Casey Walls. Yeah, like right? um, mm-hmm. there's there's a drive though inside of them still somewhere. Curi- curiosity, right? like, drive, and collaboration. Right, right. Curiosity, drive, and collaboration. Problem solving, mm-hmm. uh, ability to take criticism right to your nose and not take it personally. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you tell a soldier to do something, 
they're going to do it because people's lives depend on it. And if they don't do it and they don't do it right or they don't do it on time, people die. Mm-hmm. And so they get that and hard is hard and now is now in the military. Mm. <clears throat> and one thing that I learned watching my kids grow up being coached is it kind of works the same way in a team, an athletic team. Like you may not want to hear what the coach has to say to you, but you know you better keep your mouth shut and get it done. Yeah. And there'll be a time to complain or have your day in court later if you still feel that way later. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, there's a job to do. And that job depends on you collaborating with your peers, following instructions, having a sense of urgency and having a sense of accuracy. <clears throat> and I would throw the question back at you two guys. I mean, in your experience of, with your careers as professional athletes, did you find those characteristics important for success? I mean, Dan's the one to answer that to start. I mean, you come from the most probably militaristic, More high than- performance sports team ever. Well, you do your job, right? That that's the whole entire yeah, thing. You do your job and you're in, like, I think when I was on your podcast the first time, it was like, uh, Bill would always, you know, keep things simple. And you got three, like three main things that you go into a season at, you know, um, play with good fundamentals, uh, play smart. And it's actually four, but th- the third one was, I want you guys to play well in critical situations, high pressure situations. And the only way you can do that is you practice those situations every day, whether you're in the classroom or in the meeting room or you're out on the football field. And that's what he did. He put us in those situations. So when we got in a game, it was easy. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, whether it was drilled into us and we had it in us because you made it to that next level, but you could be a high school player and it doesn't matter. It's what you want to get out of that practice or that game. Um, but we would always just play better in those situations for us. But my other thing was I wanted to play well for my teammates. I didn't want to let them down, mm. you know? And it, now it goes probably into the corporate world, but I don't want to let my coworkers down. You know, my success is their success, their success. Don't let your boss down. I know, don't let my boss down. <laughs> yeah, but think about hiring for that, right? So now I'm going to go out and I'm going to fill five positions and I get four people that are only concerned about themselves, never used to doing rehearsals and repeating tasks over and over again, to own and expect excellence. Mm-hmm. What happens with that team? I mean, you got to break them down. You got to build them up. You don't know if they have the right culture mm-hmm. to survive that onboarding journey. Right. But if you bring in an ex-military person or a high-performing athlete, you know right from the rip, all that stuff's baked in. Yeah. Yeah. That's and so absolutely to, true. And so to answer your question, I think those are the ones that made it. Mm-hmm. It's not that I attract them. Yeah, I just think those are the ones that last. That's, because that's for every one of those that we still have here, we've probably trained and had disagreements on both sides about yep. what excellence means, and they didn't make it. Right. <clears throat> they they had to ring the bell, the bad bell. That's right. And, and you know, there's plenty of opportunity, and e- I do believe that opportunity should be an equal access mm-hmm. thing. But there's no such thing as equal outcomes. And you own mm-hmm. your outcome. Yeah. Ooh, there's your clip. Well, yeah, right there. you can Oof. you can take Got it. My heart going on that one, Gary. <laughs> it should go downstairs. Go to the gym. It Goose should. Bumps. <laughs> it should. No, not yet, but it's coming. It should, and I'll tell you why. Because you're a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. Right. You were given as much opportunity as anybody in this organization working with me for the last twelve years, mm-hmm. and you had a lot of ups and downs. A lot of time where I swept the legs out from under you. Say, guess what? Your cheese is moved. Go find another desk. We're moving you along. We're going to mm-hmm. do this other thing. And every time you rose to that occasion. Thank you. 
That, that's what. So is in Dan's story, Patriots. Mine is I had great coaching. Your right hand was touched by God. <laughs> no, my right. Your right, your right, your right, right arm was yeah, touched by he God. He missed your elbow. Yeah, though. and then he missed. <laughs> <laughs> he was working fast. <laughs> um, so I had great coaches, you know, all the way through. But I would say that my um, I always had this rule that I lived by, and it was you know really from the grandparents and like from my dad and like being you know from my parents, like being at the dinner table was just like being on the field, where it was, I was learning the same you know, the same things that would help me further along in my career. And it was like, don't do anything, don't do anything detrimental to the family. That was like the only rule. Yep. So that obviously branches a lot of ways. Oh yeah, that extends out. But it's like, whenever you think about doing something, that was always in my brain. Mm. It was like, is this gonna hurt somebody that I love that's in my family somewhere? And then the other rule that was written on, and this is gonna be a tattoo here soon, if we can get Chad to design it, Chad Blondie. I thought you were just scared to get a tattoo. No, I've been waiting for the final uh, duty before privilege where I've lived that kind of my entire life where I always feel like there's a task to be done before you can play, whether it's going to swim in the pool. Well, first you got to cut down this tree. <laughs> it's like, all right, yeah, no problem. If that's, if it takes this to get to that, that's the way I view the world. So that's, that's probably that like, served you well. If it takes this, like if it, Hey, you're going to break this down. We're going to move you here. You got to get through this. Okay, fine. We're going to do it. Let's yep. go. And I think that serves so, you well. What is your sports background? Uh, I was a lousy performing athlete. I uh, hit puberty around age 30. <laughs> so, I, it's close. <laughs> so I couldn't have been more undersized and under scope for everything. And all my friends were tall and had like beards in the fifth grade and the whole thing. Uh, so, you know, I played a bunch of stuff, but I wasn't particularly good at it. You know, I was more of a participation guy when the idea of participating in sports at every level wasn't as open and equal. Mm -hmm. a clubhouse yeah. guy. You were a club. You were, I was you were, you were you a, a bench guy. Good you, clubhouse you, you, guy. You were a good teammate. I was a good teammate. There you go. And I cared deeply about the teams that I was on, but uh, I didn't have what it took to be a good performer, which was why watching, you know, my middle kid who was a great athlete was just so inspiring to me just to. To have that mm -hmm. in front of me was just so awesome. I loved watching him play. But you had to have taken lessons from what you played, or or doesn't matter what level, because we talked about the employees or the coworkers or or the players. Now you take a look at it from your side as the management side and the boss. Yeah, and I've said this to you. This is where my suck up part of the interview goes. <laughs> okay, All this right. is like your management styles are really on par with a coach. I would take, I would agree take, with that. Take Belichick for a second or whatever, like. Let's find the people that know this particular part of this business. And I want to find the best person in there. And I'm going to give him some free reign. I'm going to let him go and I'm going to try to let him do his job. And if he doesn't work, then I'm going to step in there. A lot mm -hmm. of managers, coaches, bosses hold that, you know, they don't give them that reign to let them, you know, for lack of a better word, hang themselves. Hang themselves, sure. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So you let your employees work. And when you need to step in, you step in. Yeah, you, and you got to step in quickly and decisively. Well, mm. yes, you're kind of running a big deal right now. <clears throat> yeah, so uh, th that's a lot to unpack. Uh, when I was young, tip, tip loves unpacking. By the when way, I, we yeah. love that word. Yeah, it's a great word. When I was yeah, young, we need a couch in here. We're working for my dad. Uh, there was a guy by the name of Marty Silva. Silva, I think his name was. He was a good chemist. He was an unusual guy, and he said to me once. Some people need a pat in the ass and some people need a kick in the ass. And you have to understand who needs what when. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, I, I kind of see what you mean there, Marty. Like, I remember thinking, like, some people need to be told mm -hmm. and some people don't. 
as you scale a business, and I'm imagining it's like this when you scale a big program like you know Coach Belichick had to do with all of those work areas, offensive, defense, and all those different plays and all those intended outcomes, the more control you put of yourself in those situations, the less likely they are to be able to do it on their own with autonomy and excellence. Mm-hmm. Yep. <clears throat> and it kind of works the same in business. Mm-hmm. If I overreach and overprescribe, I'm not allowing that person to grow into the decision maker. I need them to be on my behalf and on behalf of the shareholders and on behalf of the customers. Right. And so for, for me, what I've noticed is as long as I outline effectively what we want to get to, here's the goal. So customer service, we want this goal. For sales, we want this goal. We want to acquire this many accounts. And these are the benefits we aspire to give those accounts when we acquire them. And then it takes a bunch of questions. Okay, tip. So how do you think you're going to do that? I'm going to do it using these methodologies, these tactics over the strategy. Hmm. Let me, let me sit on that and think of that. I really like what you've portrayed over here. I really want to question this third over here that you described to me, tip. Are you sure about that? I'm sure about that. Tip, I'm not. I, I think I might disagree with you, but I'll tell you what. Why don't you go find out for me mm-hmm. and report back as quickly as possible? Mm-hmm. That would be the difference of saying, no, I don't want you to do this, and this is how I want you to do it. Now, Tip's his own man. Mm-hmm. He's going to go do it. He's going to either report back success or he'll create a culture where he can report back failure, own it, yeah. not be threatened by it, yep. and then come back and say, okay, now I need to pivot. When you create that learning environment where failure is safe and right. learning is prioritized, I think you end up with a much healthier work mm-hmm. environment. I would argue that the culture here at Squad Locker is probably – over the last, I don't know, seven years that we've been doing this, however it's long, I don't think the culture has been better than it is right now, mm. maybe this hour. Yeah, I, I feel like you have, there's good layers of leadership in place that let people do things. And like you said, like it's okay to fail on something. It has right? to be. I mean, like if you're not, failing isn't a, I saw a good Instagram one the other day. I'm not going to remember it right. Failing but it's, it's learning, right? Yeah. It's not actually, you're not failing. And it's like you learned. Like, you got to look at it that way. Many yeah. many people don't know this, and I would be the first to tell them, I have failed at almost, at most of everything I've done in business. Everything started for me with failure. Everything starts with failure, mm-hmm. right? Success is the conclusion of multiple streams of consecutive failures. My God, there's another clip, Max. Wow. Meaning you don't start off and launch a business like, I won, yeah. and then I won, and then I did it, and then I won, mm-hmm. and then I grew, yeah. and then I succeeded. I win. That's what I do. Yeah. yeah. It's impossible, yeah. right? The first thing is you launch a product like, oh, they didn't like that. Like with my mattress business, mattress cover business, clean brands that Tip and I were working with for a while, um, I launched so many iterations of that and it fell apart in the wash and it ripped and it didn't do all the things it was supposed to do so that I could perfect it. Right. Mm-hmm. You can't get it right the first time. There's no way. There's just no way. Right. Right. And then I would say on your leadership style and you've, you've, you've put this towards everybody and how, how we work with our customers, you lead with like uh, empathy and education. That's your style. Has to be. Yeah, that's your style. I'm, and that's that's different because you can have people that you can have bosses that bite and bark and, you know, carry the stick around. Right. Or you can have one that, like you said, gives you more of a, a pat on the back or a pat on the ass and says, hey, here we go. Zass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My wallet's in the Cha-ching. other room. That's a $25 one. That's a $20. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll put their swear words on a scale. Okay. That might be a 10. Yeah, that's a low one. Yeah, that, that, that could be a donkey. There you right. go. But, you, but your employees need to know that you're not afraid to take out the stick either. 
So you know what I mean. So think of it this way: Squad Locker. Dan is, sees Dan and I see it that way. I agree with you. Yep. Look, Squad Locker is a sanctuary. It's a safe haven for people to, <clears throat> excuse me, work hard and earn an income, and know that it's a safe and fun and productive place to work. When something mm. threatens that's your responsibility. When something yes. threatens that sanctuary, I step in as the first guard of defense. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's my responsibility. And by the way, we've got people at Squad Locker of all cultural backgrounds and all levels of education and all levels of, you know, ability to speak English as a first language. And we've got a lot of different diverse groups of people. So I'm the keeper of that sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And when anything threatens that, I have mm-hmm. to come in with a stick. Mm-hmm. If I'm not using that stick, and hopefully that's as rare and as infrequent as possible, I've been very blessed to be exposed to some of the best places of education and have toured mm-hmm. the world and seen cultures from all different backgrounds and all different magnificent accomplishments. <clears throat> and what I've learned is that if you give people the education they need to understand and qualify themselves to accomplish something, it's the best tool they have. And you're not gonna do that by yelling at people. You have to slow that conversation down and say, look, I just wanna inform you. I wanna give you everything you need to know or to need to know to be successful. And here's how I think about it. How do you think about it? get them to that place where you're both sharing that knowledge, then mm-hmm. you can move forward. A lot of things are, get this done. Well, you didn't tell me how, or you didn't tell me why. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is someone goes to do it, and there's a disconnect between what your expectations are and what their outcomes are, and then there's anger and frustration. Because they, frustra- they, they don't have the tools. And then you just start yelling at people, and people are like, I'm, dis- uh, I'm out, you know, I, I don't want to work mm-hmm. here, I don't yeah. feel valued. And then you're like, what happened? And then you have turnover. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you, you told me the other day you wanted to defang me. I do. I, 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 <laughs> I, I sell my fangs coming out a little bit in the last, like, I don't know, month, But the other months. thing I did is I took responsibility for that, actually, Tip. If you look back at the dinner we had, I said I failed you in the sense that it, I didn't help. It was help, a great dinner. I didn't help transition where did I you wanted buy? you to go. Yeah. Who, I, paid? I, Who no, paid? The company paid. No. Oh, it was, yeah. so it was business company. dinner. Yeah, yeah business right, dinner. But sure. defanged was a good uh, – that was a good way for me to um, hear it because I'm like I have a puppy. And I'm like, man, this guy's teeth are razors and his claws are like razors. I'm like, and they're out, you know, because he doesn't know. And I'm like, that's Gary's, uh, this is Gary's favorite thing to say about me when he wants to not belittle me, but say, hey, what what I don't know is I've never built a lemonade stand. That's right. You just sell the right? lemonade. But I can sell the shit out of lemonade. Mm-hmm. Swear jar. <laughs> That's 25. <laughs> That's a 25. But I had, you had to emphasize it right there. That's important. It's coming. Okay. That's important. But let the is, record show tip you're down 35. That's yeah. true. So, and then sometimes I get like a Roomba, you know, like the Roomba vacuums. Where like, yeah, those things actually, is that the one that goes by itself? Yeah. Yeah. And it like goes back to its things port and charges. Yes. But sometimes it gets stuck like in between a chair and it's like, deek, 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 like this. That happens to me sometimes. It happens every once a year. But you get out. Happens like once a year, really strong, where I'm like, man, I'm lost. He always pulls me out of it, though. And like, I'm talking in a business sense. Like, I, you know, like I feel it. Like, where I'm like, man, I'm banging my head against a wall in this thing. I don't know exactly how to get out of it. And now share what you would feel as the Roomba Mm -hmm. sees, turns around the corner, and goes into the open hardwood. Mm. What does that feel like? Oh, for it's you? like euphoric. You know, it's like <laughs> you feel excited because you're like, spell hey, euphoric. E U O. Nope. R. 
<laughs> you missed the fuh. Mm. Uh, I'm not great at spelling on the fly. Okay. But, you know, once you get the open space, then I feel like, okay, like, and we have a meeting after this where we're going to learn what the open space is, right? Yeah. And it's like, once I have that, then it's like, okay, I'll check back with you in a month. Exactly. Right? And then and then you see what you messed up, see what you did well on, right? And that's that's how we've always operated. So and I always appreciate that. We've talked about Squad Locker. Yeah. Where did that come from? In 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 the, let's mm. where where did that come from? Yeah. This is a new this is a new day for this podcast. Mm, it's a new day. It's a new yeah. day. Tips out of underneath the chair. He's in the fresh yeah. air. I Back, really yeah. like to explore the shirt tips wearing at some point in the show. <laughs> Fascinating. It's sublimated. Well, it's Lululemon. Bring it over here. It's, it's Lululemon. It's nice. Yeah, it is. It's, it is. It's nice. a good brand. It's a triple X. It, no, it's a two X. But Lululemon, that's basically an XL. So it's got cool buttons on it. Yeah. Tracy said, "Hey, uh, you got a new shirt? Another new shirt? Because I, I am a clothes guy. Like, I like and I'm like, no, there's just not that many that fit currently, and this is one that does. So like, well, fits well. Of, <laughs> so it's great. on today. Good job. So it's yeah, we shirt. Thanks for exploring the shirt. Uh, where are we going now? Squad locker. Uh, yeah. Okay. Where? where yeah. Like, okay. I mean, a guy that probably didn't need to do it. And I hate this word. Like, I, I no, like the I word. needed to do it. But entrepreneurial. I can never say that yeah. word." Ever. Entrepreneurial, like the, you have that entrepreneurial well, been, spirit, right? And right. then, what? In your words, and how did Squad Locker come to be? So let's first talk about what it means to be an entrepreneur, and then I'll talk about the origins of Squad Locker. Lots of young people I hear say, "I want to go into business. I want to be a business person." What does that mean? You know, it's a really, really being an entrepreneur, a solo entrepreneur, can be a very, very lonely existence and a very isolated existence. But I often tell people who say, I want to be an entrepreneur, or I want to be in business. For me, I didn't have the freedom to make that decision. It made it for me. I have a brain that is constantly ideating and thinking about new ways to see the world. And I like business. And when those two things collide in my subconscious, they kind of spin and spin and spin until they finally reveal themselves in, the, in my conscious state and say, I can't not think about this anymore. I need to start to take action on it. Mm -hmm. And that's how I build businesses because they come out of like a creative element of the way I see the world and the way I see the, the world is missing things. I call that the white space. A lot mm -hmm. of people call that the white space. And I'm like, wow, why don't, why isn't it there? What's wrong? Like, how did people miss this? And then you have to have enough ignorance to think it's going to work because it shouldn't and it usually doesn't. But if, you, if you're dumb enough to believe in yourself, and I mean that in a silly way. But and kind what of an you honest, knew growing up, the tools that you were using. those tools yeah. have helped me in this world. And making new ideas based on that. Yeah. So Squad Locker came about as a really very simple story. I took, I remember the middle kid, Jude, who... Uh, I'll never forget putting him on the soccer field in Barrington, Rhode Island as his first game. And, you know, my first child was interested but distracted and wanted to, you know, do more of the fun stuff around it than actually play the game. And great kid, different kid. And I remember dropping my son Jude onto the field. He had a little blue pair of uh, checkered shorts, soccer shorts, the little umbra. Like the umbra, umbra ones? Yep. 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 Little shin guards, the little mm -hmm. black Adidas cleats, and a yellow, uh, a gold-colored Hanes T-shirt. Um, and I put him on the field, and he ran right after the ball and just started kicking it, kicking it, kicking it, moving it to the goal, scored. 
right when I dropped on the field. And I'll never forget, I called my father. I was like, Dad, there's something different about this kid than my other two kids. It just takes off. I've never seen anything like it. He's so focused on Mm -hmm. the game. And it was, so that was part of the, the joy of learning about sports and learning about performance not just playing, but actually performing. And he he's had a great he had a great you know high school career. But then I remember taking him for his uniform, and I went into a store that had a worn rug in the front, glass counters, wooden floors, and looked like it was the same interior as the store my dad would have brought me to in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Nothing had changed. I filled out a three part form. Gave the guy my money, and he said, come back in three to four weeks. We'll leave you a voicemail message on your answering machine at home mm-hmm. when your uniform's ready. <clears throat> I returned home, and my wife had an iPad on a pie plate. Like, it was her little, like, riser for her iPad. And she had a Bluetooth keyboard. And she bought everything for the house on that keyboard. Everything. Groceries. We were using Peapot at the time, mm-hmm. which was stop and shop. Gap.com for back-to-school clothes. Mm-hmm. Amazon for the things that they sold at the time that they didn't. Now they sell everything. I was like, wow, man, the whole world has evolved. But that part of the world hasn't evolved. Buying kids decorated uniforms for sports. Why is it so lost in a past world? And so I started to unpack that using a concept called first principles thinking, which if you go on my LinkedIn profile, um, I just posted an article in Fortune magazine about uh, first principles thinking and kind of de- decomposing chaos into first principles thinking. But for me, it was like, well, why do they print the garments the way they do? And why do they buy them the way they do? And what are the issues or barriers to making this more modern? And you started looking at them. They use a printing process that was driven through large setup costs, which forced them to do multiple pieces at once. We internally call mm-hmm. that a batch process. Well, how do you transform that to a digital process? So I started exploring that, making it one at a time. And when you start to break it all down, break it all down, break it all down, all of a sudden you have all these elements laid out. It's like, wow, so if I just assembled all these elements, we could transform the way people buy this stuff. And then of course it's, well, whether the technology available is capable of building those individual elements and stringing mm-hmm. them together. At the time, Having an image that changed on top of an image using Photoshop layers or something like that was very, very new. Um, today, it happens on the internet yeah. every second. Are you good with computers? Were you good? Like, the, you know, because I, I got no. the textiles down and got everything. But I can't, like that. No. That that technology part you're, in the website or yeah, building and the coding had to scare I, the crap I out of you. How about I say crap? Though, can you an- say crap? Yeah, you can say crap. Your uh, answer yeah. on this, I'm guessing would be, no, you're not, but you will find somebody who is. So I did. I found right. Keith. Mm-hmm. I'm really good at logic. I understand how code's written. The The concept of if-then statements, you ask a computer this, if the answer is one or two, it goes mm-hmm. down a flow chart road. Mm-hmm. Um, so I understood that. But uh, hiring Keith was, uh, you know, it was a breakthrough for the company, our CTO and COO, for the ability to design a team that could create the software mm-hmm. that we needed. And in fact, in Keith, in hiring Keith, I remember saying to him, I know everything there is about textiles. No one can fool me. No one can outsmart me. I don't know anything about what I'm about to hire you for. Can I trust you? Mm-hmm. How will I know 
to call BS. Yep. No swear, yeah. no swear jar. There you go. Oh, no good. swear jar. On that I said one. I won't Excellent be able to work. call. <laughs> Thank you, Coach. Yeah. I won't be able to call BS on you because I won't know. So you better not lie to me. So that we had to build a lot of trust with each other. Yeah, yeah, and and you guys are very much a yin and yang. Totally, we see the world completely differently. Yeah, entirely. That's why he's and so important to keep on my team. As you're talking about. Um, you know, going home and then putting all these things together. Like this I is, think sales, this is right? a sports team, by the way. No, I mean, it is. It is. It's just yeah. amazing. Like how, like you keep going. It's like yeah, that but happened like, in the locker room. That happened in the meeting room. Trust guys yeah. doing their job. It's and like, by the way, Dan, that's why I want people in the office. You right, can't do right, that right, on right. Zoom. Yeah. That's why I yeah, yeah, like, yeah. get back to work. Can't yeah. st- I can't stand Zoom. I can't stand YouTube. Because I look over and we watch the reels, or it's just like <laughs> you didn't lose any weight this week. It's a problem. <laughs> no, we got to be if in this person. Was just we look radio would be person. great. Yeah. The uh, when I when I hear you talk about that, and I think about like my role in that, and I think of okay, here's my laser focus. But you have to think of all of them. I actually get nauseous and need to go to the bathroom. Like it makes me feel <laughs> number one like, or number two, two. Okay. Because it's like when you, when I walk into Lowe's. I feel the same where I like, get like excited, like walk into Lowe's. I, Everybody has that one store where you walk in. Lowe's you is got my store. Th- yeah. Lowe's is my store. I think Best Buy is mine. Is it really? Yeah, yeah I don't too. know you why. Just, you know right where Best it is. Buy. Yeah, I know yeah. exactly where it is in Best Buy. So when I think of what you're trying to do, I don't know how your brain does it because you're thinking about this, you know, the go to market. You're thinking about the marketing. You're thinking about the over the, over in the fact. Yeah. I don't know one thing that happens over there. I think I know I could maybe figure it out, but. It's not on my mind daily, right? It's just, I know that if I execute this, that'll happen. You have to know that if this gets executed, how does that get executed? And how do I do it more efficiently? Right. And that's not how my brain But look functions. at my team and look at your team. Mm-hmm. My team has a chief technology and a chief operating officer on it. Mm-hmm. It has a chief financial officer on it. Mm-hmm. It has a director of human resources on it. Mm-hmm. It has a chief product officer on it. Mm-hmm. Right. So I have experts to help me accomplish yeah. all the things you just talked about. Yep. Got and it. they have resources under them. Mm-hmm. And that's why scaling a business is really important to let experts take their mm-hmm. role. I want to sit on the shoulders of giants. I do not want to be a giant amongst my peers. Write that down, Max. <laughs> that's on the only let's, do go one down the, let's go down yeah. the other arm. I, yeah, can we put that one here? Does that fit? <laughs> no. I get jacked again. All right, yeah. let's go back. That's we're, good. Still, we're still getting down squat. I got everything laid yeah. out. And so then no. we and then we just started experimenting. And then um, I had to raise money because I couldn't afford to do this on my own. And I was lucky to get two initial angel investors, Jim Lombardi, who I built an, a personal relationship with and a friendship with. <clears throat> and then I stumbled very fortunately across our chairman, a guy by the name of George Overholter. And I'll never forget the day I called my dad and I said, dad, I need to raise some money to make this work. And he said, I don't want you raising money. I don't want people thinking you, you need money because in his mind, it was, he was very old school. And that way I was mm-hmm. like, no dad, people invest in mm-hmm. startups. Yeah, this, this is, is yeah. this is a, there's a world out there. And he's like, okay. So then I called a son who's a friend of his and uh, he was in a sector called FinTech financial technology firms. I didn't know any difference between FinTech and anything. So I called this guy and uh, his name is Brett Rome, terrifically bright, very successful guy. And I said, Brett, I'm raising money for this thing. What is it? What does it do, Gary? And I explained it to him what my concept was. And he said, uh, that's not at all what I do. That's not for me. But there's a guy, George Overholter, and he loves things like this. You should talk to him. Mm-hmm. So I called George, cold call. It was during the winter that we had that snowmageddon. Mm-hmm. Every Monday or every week. For like 
14 weeks it yes. snowed like a foot. Yep. What do they call it? The Cyclops or something? No, no what was it the, called? The Zoom Boom Cyclops. That's yeah. new, though. Yeah. But yeah, we had like <laughs> three feet of snow yeah. in March still on the ground. Yep. yep. And so in Providence, for those of you who are listening and have never been to the College Hill area of Providence, you know, the streets were built in the 1700s. And the homes were built in the 1700s, and the streets are very narrow, and the snow built up on either side. You had to like play chicken with the oncoming cars. You had to pull over mm-hmm. and move aside. So I remember thinking, this is my chance to talk to this guy. I got to get a great cell signal. So I went to like the top of the hill in College Hill. I was in my car, and I pulled the side, and it was like a 30 degree pitch on the side of a snowbank. And I entered his number on my cell phone and waited to the appropriate time and hit send. Because selling and communicating takes practice, accuracy, and excellence. Mm-hmm. And you can prepare for a phone call like you can prepare for anything. It's and funny so, that you remember this this much too, right? Like this I remember, is a pivotal I remember, thing. It was huge for me. Yeah. Who did the Patriots beat in the Super Bowl that year? What year was it? I don't, I don't know. The they year. probably beat somebody because they beat somebody all the time. <laughs> they beat Seattle that year. Okay, that was 2015. Interesting. Yeah. Were you on the team? No, my parents or my my, my family was in Florida. They got snowed in at Disney, and I had to fly to Arizona. <laughs> That's funny. So they came back to the snow, and I went mm. to there. So I hit the call button, and I explained to him briefly what I was trying to do, and I said to him, I said, George, um, we open these things called stores. And he said, yeah. And I said, when we do, we get like 2500 to $5,000 in revenue. He said, okay. How much does it cost you to acquire the customer? What do you spend on marketing? He said, I have no idea. I never even looked at that. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how to think that way. Mm-hmm. He said, okay, how much is your gross margin on the revenue you make? I said, I don't know, like 40%. So he's like, okay, so if you get a $2,000 store, you've got about uh, $800 in uh, gross margin that you can spend to acquire that customer. I said, yeah, something like that. So he said, when I started Vistaprint, our average sale was $5.99 for a 500-pack of uh, business cards, mm-hmm. and we had about $0.95 cents to a dollar to spend on customer acquisition costs. You have 800 times more money to spend than I did at Vistaprint. I'd like to come down and see you tomorrow. So I said, okay, I'll pick you up at the train station. <laughs> so I remember picking him up at the train station and walked him through the building. We had one machine and one heat press and a conference room table and a bunch of ideas. And... Uh, he, and then I brought him back to the uh, train station, and he looked at me. He goes, I'm not going to mess around with you. I'm not going to string you along. I'll let you know tomorrow. So I said, okay, mm-hmm. thanks. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank <laughs> you. And then he came back down. might have been the next day the day after. He said, I'm willing to invest. And he gave me the parameters of what he wanted to invest in. And I looked at him, and I said, George, i got to be honest with you. Why are you investing? Like, this is such a nothing right now. And he said to me two things. He said, one, I like to invest in world in businesses that potentially can make the world a better place and certainly do no harm. Mm-hmm. And that's clear that this business mm-hmm. can do that. And two, I like the sport of business. For me, it's like pick up basketball. And I think this can be fun here. Mm-hmm. So I was like, great. Shook hands. I've talked to him a lot lately, and it's so obvious that that's how he is. This is a sport for him. This is a sport yeah. for him. Yeah, he's a yep. massive, massive mind. So that was uh, that was how we started getting it off the ground. And then we built our original minimum viable product, MVP, around our store builder. And I'll remember being in a conference room with George and Jim and Frank and a bunch of people and Keith. 
And we said, okay, let's design an ad. And I took out a credit card and I put $100 into the Facebook ad back end thing. And it was something like, you know, get team gear easy or some stupid thing. And then we came back the next day and we opened the database and there were these rows of stores that have been built. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget this looking at like a Georgia, University of Georgia bulldog and then like some baseball team or something like that. <clears throat> and George said to me, when you put the dog food out and the dogs come to eat it, it's a very good sign. And that <laughs> yeah. was literally the beginning of the company. That's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah That's it was fun. It was That's very the beginning phenomenal. of the company. A few hundred thousand stores later. A couple hundred thousand yeah. stores yeah. later and annual recurring, reoccurring revenue of over $30 million. Yeah. We're, we're, on, we're on the path. We're on the, we're on the war path. We're beating the drum. Beating yep. the drum. We're changing the way people do this. Okay, I've got a question for you. Um, okay. I wrote this one down. You got to give yourself one. How do you, okay. Piece of advice to give your younger self. One piece of advice you're, to give a younger you're, self. You're going to get goosebumps on this. I guarantee it. You could go back. You could go back to maybe right when you started squad locker, right when you went to maybe, maybe when you were in your band, which we haven't talked about yet when you were in high school, right? Like what's one piece of advice? The piece of advice that I could have used more of in the, journey of being an entrepreneur is I got to a point where I got good at understanding the, the math around it, but I didn't trust myself and my instincts enough to insist on my way. Mm. And it was a really complex balance between, and I'm not talking about management style. There was a lot of pressure from the board and other people to bring people into the executive team because we needed to fill a role. And you guys have been around the bad hires I've made. And then even when I make some of the good hires, people come in and say, I wanna go do this or do that. I didn't put my foot down early enough, particularly mm -hmm. with the onboarding thing mm -hmm. that we gotta go back to now and I've rebuilt it for the third time. Yeah, It's like, why did I let that go? Why did I let people you know, influence the direction yeah, of the, the company? Decision away from yeah. it, right? Um, so, you know, I regret that. I would tell my younger self, whether it's two years ago or 15 years ago, you're right, have faith in yourself, mm -hmm. but be very specific and transparent about why. Use math to define the why, which I never would do. My instincts were always pretty beneficial to like a balance sheet P&L customer mm -hmm. investor value statement, but I never explored the math around it, so I had no way to back it up. So if somebody came in and say, this way is better, I didn't have the financial um, story to say, no, you're wrong. And let me show you why. As a result, I became a victim of, you know, a lack of self-esteem or a lack of confidence to allow that to happen. Mm -hmm. So, the, you know, looking back, that's probably the biggest thing I regret was not being more financially disciplined, financially metric and assertive. And you knew you were making the wrong decision at that point or you I had no idea until I look know. back now and I'm like, it wasn't like a gut feeling. It was like, ah, oh, this is probably wrong, but I'm going to trust you. Exactly. And do it. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then like 11 months later, I'm like, why did I do that? Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's yeah. also That's the thing. You got to fail, right? Yeah. You is do have it? to fail. And also, you know, I'm a very introspective person and I spend a lot of time thinking about things, myself, my role, my role in relationship with others. When I was a little kid, I was an undersized kid who was always trying to be a part of something. And as a result, my behavior became one where I engendered laughter or happiness from people around me to feel included. It wasn't so much the total class clown, but I have a way of warming up to people and in 
enjoying conversation with people that they start to say, hey, Goldberg kid's not so bad. Gary's a nice guy. He's fun to be with. Let's include him. Mm -hmm. Because I wasn't a high-performing athlete. I wasn't the tallest kid in the class. I wasn't the strongest kid in the class. Clubhouse guy. You're I was a clubhouse you're just, you're you're club explaining the clubhouse guy. Club yeah, that's right. Yeah. That wor has worked for me more than it's worked against me. But where it works against me is when I'm trying to engender trust and admiration from someone and also figuring out how to tell them no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So you bring in somebody that is going to be on the executive team. They want to go left. I know they should be going right, but I also want them to admire and trust me. I hadn't have that language mm -hmm. yet figured out to say, I really like you. We're going to do great work today and tomorrow. But let me tell you right now why I'm choosing no. Mm -hmm. I didn't have that mm -hmm. courage. Now I'm fine with it. Now I'm like, yeah, let me explain to you why that's not a good idea. And let me give you enough rope to figure out a new way on your own. I didn't have that. And so for me, it was just like, will he or she like me? That was more important in some ways than are we headed towards the finish line? Mm -hmm. I didn't weigh those mm -hmm. properly. You've got to pick another stage to be on. I'm, I'm leaving that in because I, I, I know where you're going to go. I know. Right? I, 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 I what would it be? Not an entrepreneur. You want, to be a, you want to be a professional pitcher? You want to be on stage as a musician? Do you want to be a quarterback? Do you want to be a center? Nobody wants to be a center. But I wouldn't go sports. I would go. That's what, I, I want to be. A, no one wants to be an offensive line. You're stuck there. That's where you're put when you know you're the bigger kid. That's right. I know. I want to. If I could have done anything over again, I would have either been a late night talk show host, John Stewart kind of guy, yep, or a national news desk guy. National I would have thought desk. you would have had a guitar in your hand. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I love playing guitar, but I'm only eh, good no, but about you it. Also, kind of did it. Right, so that like, we're going I, outside maybe, of the box. With maybe Doctor Phil. Answers. Maybe an afternoon. Yeah, I would like, love that. Let, let's get let's go deep. We're going deep on this yeah, one. So after so oh so a late Af afternoon. Late show. afternoon, yeah, Doctor Phil. Show. Yeah, I know my answer for this. I've said it. On what is your show. answer? I want to be a chiropractor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I just for some reason I like the like the. Uh, it's a like I even just watch like video like I feel the same when I get adjusted as if I watch. Somebody get adjusted, and I'm like, man, I would like to give somebody that feeling all day. 27 <laughs> appointments a day. Yeah. You'd probably be exhausted. Yeah, and also be the light. Their insurance. Be the light. Be just the light. paying me all day. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right? No, it's like, a cash business, buddy. Yeah. Well, that is true. That is true. It is cash a lot of spots, but that would be my, my thing. It's a good one. Yeah. What's yours? I Maybe a starting pitcher. Oh, <laughs> you're staying, on the, I'm staying in the sports world. But I don't, that lifestyle is not good. For family and the kids and all this, well, like, that yeah, is well, a tough, you just tough need lifestyle. Ten years, you just got to bank yeah, away ten, ten years. years. Start your family ten. at thirty. Yeah, you don't get to the majors till what twenty four. I mean, you so spend some time on those buses, maybe yeah. some longer on the buses than well, others. If it's I'm your dream, you tell yourself you're going to be there when you're twenty. Some people yeah. never get off that's the bus. Tough. Yeah, I was that's on the bus yeah. the whole time. Until <laughs> the elbow goes. Yeah, that's that's, a, that's what kicked me off the bus right there. What about you, Max? That's a good one for you. Oh, without a doubt, astronaut. My God, Max! Yeah. Max, you're there's crazy. a clip. So reach for the, uh, reach for the moon. You'll land upon the stars. Shoot oh, yeah. for the moon. You'll land upon the stars, Max. That's your quote. That's your clip. That's you wouldn't it. be scared, like going up in the, in the spacecraft, like when it lifts off, like it can't like blow into like fire and everything. Like oh, no, it, it can't. You wouldn't be scared. Yeah, I'd be scared, but I think yeah. the, the I'd payoff, be terrified. Right? Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't like things that are could endanger me. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Like let's go para like, let's go parachuting. Yeah. Let's go yeah. parasailing. No, yeah, I want would, the feeling of like No, I want to uh, stay on the plane, not jump out of it. Yeah, I see uh, being being in a band or being on stage that's another thing or where a crowd is 
hopefully cheering you on. Yeah, you I love the ego shine. You you want just, your you want your ego shine in public. Well, I, it's more that I want like no, you, it's okay to say, can I say that. Say that. Yeah, it's is okay. That, yeah. So what I really want is like, do you hit that one note and people go bananas? Yeah. It's like you like the that's spotlight. Power. Uh, you like the spotlight. That's yeah, why that's I think power. being a pitcher was good for you. Yeah, that's power. I like that type of. power. Do you think you what became about, a pitcher? Golfer? Right there, hey, golfers. Go- power. Golfers good. Yeah, I mean a lot it's of like cracking that. Era. It's like yeah. cracking that T three spine. Like just get yeah. right back and T <laughs> three. Do you think you became a pitcher because of your nature to want to be on the spotlight, or did be working towards a pitcher mm. create a sensation to you to like that? Was I it nature or nurture? I want the ball. Is that how you were as a little little kid? Or did you develop that? Was that a nature or nurture thing? No, I think you develop it. I mean, as a little, little kid, like you just want to play, right? And probably you probably want to be a shortstop more than the pitcher when you're a young kid. Like, you know, you're making all the plays, you're hitting third in the lineup. When you're a pitcher, you're not hitting, remember, like if you're at the mm. top level. So it's, but being on the mound, like in the highest position on the field, like in terms of like height wise, and like <laughs> everybody's watching you, you know, Look, looking up to you. And you have the ball. You're the only person on the field that has the ball every pitch. The catcher has it a lot, too. That right? should be our new tagline, because there's only one person on the football field that has the ball every time. <laughs> That's nice. I like that. We're the ones with the, the ball. The guys with the ball. We're the ball. The guy The guy with the balls. We, we have the balls. <laughs> the, guy, the guys have the balls. Yeah, or yeah. I would argue the ball. The ball. The one ball. Some people have one ball. That's right. Some people have two. I like that. This is good. Let's go with that, Max. But that's, I think, where I... I wanted to be the one Maybe that was... Maybe it's two guys, one ball. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Two guys, one ball. I wanted to be the well, guy that had was the my ball. last day at work. Thanks yeah, for exactly. having me, guys. <laughs> you're not going it's, anywhere. You're, you're different, though, because you're, you're very much... Nobody recognizes you when you're on the field, right? Yeah, that's a lot easier. Hardly. That. Lot, that's a lot right? easier. I mean, because you're... The person a lot that, easier that way. Right, the person they recognize is the person you're handing the ball to. At the three-day Kings Valley, like, seriously, and there, I mean, there's no fans or whatever, but there's four guys looking at you, teeing off on the first hole. Yeah. My heart was pumping. Was it really? Oh, God, I hate <laughs> See, that. I love that. See, that gets me. I, I want 100 people watching. No, I want to calm day. down. I want to get right into it. Get the first snap mm, over and let's go. I'd go back to that first tee all day. Loop <laughs> me on that first tee. Put them there. You know, that's how, that's how I operate. But Gary, anything else you want to share? Yeah. No, I think we've covered it all. We've we've laughed, we've cried. <laughs> we didn't cry. I thought we might, but you know, we're we didn't we didn't come to tears yet. Tip, what's, tears what's next for you at Squad Locker? So I'm excited to do some new stuff where we've built some teams mm-hmm. together. We've built some some weapons in here. The way I look at it, like some we've put missiles on the plane that work. Mm-hmm. We know it's a very violent. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Analogy. You just well, saw Top Gun. Well, Give me a break. No, I just saw Top Gun. <laughs> by the way, I'm, I'm moving towards a more violent analogy. Now we got to bring the bomb on the plane. Oh. And that's and you know we are ready to load this thing up and it's going to drop and that's what I'm going to do. So we're going to go after some very large targets yeah, together. We're, we're going to have a new new title for you, which we'll be announcing yeah. shortly. Oh, go nice. to Tips LinkedIn. Very cool. Yep. And we're going to get after some big stuff. And we we already are. There are a lot of things that are coming in this next, I would say, 90 days that are really exciting for Squad Locker. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, not just in the corporate world, not just in the school world, not just in the youth sports world. Like it's all of them together. Yeah, and I that's agree with that. that's what's fun. How about you, Dan? What do you what do you want to do? I want to move the ball forward. Yeah. I think you said that. In the run text. the damn yeah. ball. No, move the ball forward. Yeah, run the ball. Whatever I can do, team guy, mm-hmm. help move the ball forward. But I want to go out and. 
Yeah. Kill, well, let's kill what we eat. Eat what you kill. Eat what you kill. Close. I hate all that. <laughs> My wife does that all the time. Yeah. I, I can't yeah. Kill what you eat is... Kill, uh, I want to yeah. eat... No, I want to kill what I eat. No. No, you want to... Well, I'm trying yeah, to make it work. I'm trying, way, I'm trying to make it, it work that way. It makes more sense if you say... it's. That's also like die for... Remember when your dad, oh, yeah. Yeah. Your dad said some all-time stuff to me, which I like save truly, like, yeah, and I funny. like really appreciate it. And I, like there was, there's been a couple, and one of them up. was the die first, then quit. He said, he said <laughs> first, first, first die, die then, then quit. quit. <laughs> it still works great. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah. First die, then quit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, same thing. How about you, Max? What are you working on? Same thing with uh, Dan over here. I just want to keep the ball moving. I want to. I put my uh, my hands in every department since uh, yeah. since I've been here. So let's you, see what other hats I can. If there's wear. a question that we have, we go to Max. Hey, right. uh, hey, Max. How do I do this? Encyclopedia. Yeah. How do I do this? And you're. Yep. This is how you the do listeners it. need to. You know, probably don't even necessarily understand what your job is. Where it's like, you know, it's the jack of all trades, a trainer of all trades. Like you it's know, a Leatherman and, tool. The squad yeah, locker Leatherman tool. You are you are a Leatherman. That's a good yeah, way. There's to, no system or process that Max doesn't know true. how yeah. to do on its own. Max, you're getting married. Yes, uh, 15 days. How do you feel about that? You excited? I'm so excited. Except I just got a text that I haven't gotten our marriage license yet. Oh, uh, that's a tough thing. Yeah. I did that too. It's whatever. It's easy. Just go down to City Hall. Or I got my birth certificate. You kind of need it though. Yeah, right? you'll get. I mean, you can still do the whole song and dance, that's and it. then just backdate it. But yeah, oh, we did the same thing. Okay. I forgot. You had to rush? No, no rush. Just, you know, <laughs> pay off, pay off a couple. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Gary got it. No, got I didn't it. get it. I didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. So I'm actually more nervous for your wedding than you are, I think, because I got 15 days to get into a suit. Mm. And it's going to be, it's actually not even the suit. It's the shirt. I'm yeah, a little nervous just about go out the shirt. And get so just wear that shirt. Just wear that shirt. <laughs> no, yeah. that's the problem, Just Gary. go run your credit card and get another that's one. That's the problem. That's where that's where you go down the road of having three sections of jeans. <laughs> you know what I mean? Fucking brutal. I just and then you don't throw that's them That's 100 right there. Yeah, that's, that's, so a that's, 100, that's a 185 yeah, on the first day. We're loading day. up. All, All right. right. All right, okay. gentlemen. Thanks for having us. Thanks for, no, thanks for coming on, Gary. And thanks for allowing us to work for this company. Oh, it's my pleasure. Nothing makes me happier than seeing you two guys here all the time. Oh. And you too, Max. Well, thank you. We are here a lot. We I do know. like to be here. Be in the office. It's true. Okay, take care. See you next all time. Past right. Our Prime is brought to you by Squad Locker. Squad Locker is your one-stop shop for custom team apparel, delivered right to your front door. Learn more by visiting squadlocker.com.